We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Tuesday night, March 15th. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and you all know who that guy is. That is Troy Pride Jr., former cornerback at Notre Dame and current Carolina Panther, is uh, is joining us today. Troy, how are you doing, man? Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me, first and foremost. And uh, I'm doing well. You know, I'm getting my rehab in, working each and every day to get back on that field and show, you know, what I've got. So, And that's what we're going to kick things off tonight. But just so you know, Troy wanted to do this live so that way Notre Dame fans could interact. So if you guys have comments or questions or anything like that uh, that you guys want to throw at us tonight, uh, please feel free and we'll pull them up and, and we'll get Troy to interact with you guys. That's something he wanted to do. So uh, I'm all about that. So we'll continue that rolling. But Troy, that's obviously the the first thing to discuss. Obviously, your your sophomore year in the NFL, you had a – a pretty early season injury that uh, was kind of your first big injury you've ever had. And obviously you're working your way back from that. So how's your rehab coming? Are you kind of on the right path? You're going to be back for you know mini camp and all that. Where are things stand with you? Um, Yeah. So obviously my first big injury, first major surgery, I'm unfortunate, but I mean, I think I've learned a lot from it. Um, just you know, having to go through it, having to figure stuff out, having to, you know, be away from the game for so long, but, it's been going well, you know, I'm running, I'm moving, I'll be ready for training camp, you know, fully. It'll be a full go. It'll be, you know, me getting a chance to have that, you know, second year in the NFL, which truly provides a little growth. So I had to kind of learn mentally. So it'll be, it'll be good to get out there for year three though. That is an interesting thing. Like how you can, your perception of the game can change when you're not on the field. Like, do you feel like, I mean, how, how do you grow mentally? You talked about growing mentally, but what is the the avenue as far as you go through the season that you say, hey, you know what, I can't physically do it, but I can still get better? What was that process like for you? I think for me, it was maturing with how I study film first. Um, it was maturing in that, like, you know, when you're studying film, especially in the NFL, you know, you're looking for concepts, you're looking for, you know, nuggets, you're looking for, you know, certain things that you want to see on third down. 
Whereas for me, I, I move forward to you know seeing formations like what do teams like to run at a two by two? What do teams like to run at three by one? Um, and then from there, it's like okay, this is the three routes I can get from this split in two by two. This is three routes I can get from this split, or it's okay, the team is motioning to this new split, but it's the same route concept that I saw when they just lined up there. Um, and that's been, that's, it was, like, fun, you know, to kind of really, like, see it and say, like, dang, like, you know, you can really simplify the game just by, you know, understanding that and then seeing, okay, they're trying to trick me here just so they can do this real quick and get me out of position. Um, so it was that. It was watching, you know, guys do stuff. It was watching, you know, J.C. Horn play. It was watching Stefan Gilmer. Gilmore, I'm sorry. Um, it was watching, you know, guys excel. You know, Dante Jackson, um, CJ Henry. Like, I've seen a lot of great corners out there. So it's like, yeah, okay. Like, I, he did that. I like that. When I come back, you know, I can implement that. Like, okay, I, I might want to jump jam him on third down to mess up his time with the quarterback. I might want to play off, show off, but break, you know, down as hard as I can. It's just a lot of different stuff that, you know, is the fun, integral analytical details of the game now when you are away from the game you know and it's it's not like you know your freshman year where maybe you weren't playing as much or your rookie year where maybe you're not getting as many snaps as you did in Notre Dame uh, that's different you literally couldn't play do you does it change your outlook like did you did you develop a maybe sort of like a not like you took it for granted because I know you don't take the game for granted but like that you've kind of like a, maybe a different appreciation a different outlook knowing that hey like this was my first kind of glimpse of the game can be taken away from me you know like that oh absolutely and you know it takes like like i spoke about you know earlier it takes like an elevated mind to understand that. and you know when i started to understand that i really like kept a journal of things that you know i'm really grateful for i call it my gratitude journal you know mm-hmm. I, i'm grateful for just being able to walk i'm grateful for being able to walk and put my clothes away i'm grateful for being able to be in the building and rehab and be in the building, have my iPad and watch film. Like, yeah, the game can be taken away so quick and, you know, you'll never know that mm-hmm. it was like there because, you know, it happened so quick. But for me, it was just like, dang, like I'm, I'm still in a blessed position, even though I'm not where everywhere I want to be. It's not everything mm-hmm. is going my way. But like, I think that adversity truly builds, you know, character. Like, it, it made me, develop in ways that I probably wouldn't have if I hadn't gone through that. So, mm-hmm. you know, you obviously don't want to, but I'm, like I said, I, I, I'm i thankful this injury has allowed me to grow in ways that, like I said, I never knew I could. So not like a, if I could go do it all over again thing, but Hey, it did happen. So let's make the most of it, right? Let's, let's make, let's, let's take advantage of, of it's an unfortunate opportunity, but it can still be something that, that can make you better. I mean, is that, that sounds like that's kind of the outlook you have. One hundred percent. And then I, I even took it a step further. It's like win each and every day. Like I, I'm not gonna, you know, get back a hundred percent tomorrow. Like yeah, I wish I could. You know, I wish it was that easy. But it's like nah, I gotta keep chipping at it. Like I, it's a, it's a, a tree that you know each day I gotta just you know throw one swing at it, and then eventually that whole thing's coming down. But for a long time I'm just gonna be swinging. And I mean, and then the Carolina Panthers mantra: keep pounding. So it's like you know I'm thinking about that like. Dang, like I'm, I'm with the Panthers. The mantras obviously keep pounding. I go through this, and there's no quick fix. There's nothing that can, you know, snap me right back into it. It's like I gotta really, one day at a time. And I think that's what my career has got to be too. It's like, just get better in that day. Like if, if I can just seek growth one percent 
if I can just be better than yesterday, then win it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about your game, Troy. Obviously, you know, you're going into this is your third year in the NFL, but you know, kind of a, you know, you're kind of a red shirt sophomore to, to use a to use a a an old school college thing, but let's talk about your game. Like what are the things as you when you finally get healthy, you get back on the field, your reps are back up to normal. What are the parts of your game that you say, "Okay, this is where my game needs to get to as I continue to grow and develop as an NFL quarterback?" I think that um first and foremost, I want to be out there like playing free because, you know, I'm going to have such an appreciation to just be on the field in cleats and my helmet and stuff. So just playing free is first and foremost. Um, but after that, it's like taking what I learned and then allowing that to be like natural. I'm not sitting out there thinking, okay, two by two. No, like just like saying I studied, I know what I had to do. I know what I saw. If I see something that looks like anything that I know I'm just going for it. You know, and not, like I said, taking unnecessary risks, but, like, just being, you know, there. Being, like, if I see two go over on a um, uh, really spray release on the inside, I know that one can, is coming on that dig, and every team loves to run that. And it's like, go take mm-hmm. the dig. Like, go pick mm-hmm. it, go make a play. So, um, it's just that. Like, it's just I can't wait to just be out there and, and not thinking about anything, playing as free as I can, you know, being physical. And going head first, like no fear. Like that's that when I get back, like that's that's gonna be like on my cleats, on my jersey, on on everything. Like no fear. Like I'm going all the way through everything, not worried about an injury, not worried about anything. I'm just playing football. Is it is it is it like the process? I mean, I know it's a more advanced, but you know, you go from high school to college. You know, you talk about that. I'm sure there was a period where you were kind of going through that in Notre Dame, where you were like, hey, I just I. You know, it, it, it's like I think a lot of fans or people maybe didn't play the game at a high level don't understand how bad thinking is on the football field. You know, that's what the you talk about the putting in the work. So I'm not thinking I'm reacting. 
because when you think you, you go slower, but like, you know, that's an evolution in college. Is it, is it a similar process in the NFL just with more advanced stuff or is it, is it, is that process different for you in the NFL? No, I think it absolutely is um, a process. And I think I've always kind of been like that. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I wasn't recruited. I wasn't a five star day one, my freshman year of high school. Like I developed into being a good corner enough to get an offer in Notre Dame. And then in Notre Dame, I didn't come in as, hey, this guy's starting day one. Now I had to you know, play, take my lumps, sit for my whole sophomore season, you know, not have an opportunity, get a chance to go in my junior year and, you know, do as best I can and then come and change up my senior year and um, get drafted. So I think that it's always kind of been like that. And I'm always, like I said, the cream always rises to the top. So I'm on my way, like. The more I learn, the more experience I get, I think the better I just am. Like, it's just going to always – I'm always elevating. I don't think that, you know, I like taking steps backwards. So, you know, with that, my process is going up. So Now, you look at the Panthers, obviously, it's a, an, an offseason where there's a lot of changes already happening. There's, there's going to be more. The draft is going to happen. You guys are kind of going into year three under Coach Rule. It's also, you know, your, your third year because he was – you were part of his first draft class, I believe, correct? Uh, so just what are the expectations that you guys have? You know, I mean, you obviously through this last season, you guys had some games where you're like, boy, you know, it's just a little thing here, a little thing there, you know, maybe they can kind of take that next step. But where are you guys at in your trajectory as you try to kind of rebuild this thing, this thing under coach rule? I think those points that you just made, like those little things here, those little things there, it means everything. Like it's, that's from a five win team to an eight win team every all day, every day. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the NFL comes down to that last session, that fourth quarter in the game, and that's when execution on those small details matters the most. So I think that, you know, our goal is starting to put those together, like winning those games, like saying, hey, we we took our lumps early. We know that, you know, we should have won that game back then or we should have done this better back then, but now it's time to actually, like, get that done, like be that, like embody that you know process that coach will talks about uh embody the brand that coach will talks about so heavily um and you know games you know just go out there and like i said playing free nobody's thinking nobody's doing anything nobody's worried about anything just playing free for each other and winning games so i think that's the trajectory year three you know with whatever the situation is there now, where do they plan on kind of starting you off when you get back? Are you going to be in the slot? Or are you going to be outside? I know you played a little bit of both. If I remember correctly, you played a little bit of both as a rookie, right? Do you do you have a spot, or is it going to be kind of like what it's been? It's like, hey, I got to know, I got to know multiple spots. Well, yeah, I'm like I said, when you come when you come from an injury, you know, the first thing first is I got to make the team. Like I got to mm-hmm. do whatever I need to do to make the team, and that's that's special teams, carve out a role there, and that's fine. If that's in the slot, I can play there. I can learn it. I can I know it. I know the plays. I know the playbook. And then if that's on the outside, shoot it. That's where I'm most comfortable, so we can rock out there too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, not even really worrying about that for me. I think it's just getting back on the field, loving the game, being in a tough film sessions, up here, being tired from a camp practice, um, getting a chance to go through a full preseason and play some preseason games that are going to be dreadful. But, you know, when you get to the season, it's, it's all worth it. It was kind of like maybe some of the things that you used to dread, you now look forward to when you don't have when you don't have that, right? Like it's, you know, I, I can't wait to go through another camp. I can't wait to go through a six a.m. workout, you know, because I couldn't do those things when I was injured. And and like for me too, it's like like I was six weeks nine weight bearing, so I couldn't even walk. Like 
Mm. So, like I said, putting away clothes took five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Putting away, putting my socks on, I couldn't put my right sock on. Like, I had to ask my mom or my girlfriend mm-hmm. or whoever to help me put my socks on. Like, when you kind of go through that, it's like, all right, like, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about all that other stuff. I don't care about all that. I'm just, like, let's just go. Like, let's do it. Like, I put my cleats on. I remember the first time we started running, and I put my cleats on. I was like, dang, like, this feels good. But obviously, I used to hate, like, dang, my cleats are tight, you know. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do that. Man, put my cleats on. I was like, that. Like, we're on our way. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I know your mom's always been a big supporter of yours, you know, through going back to when you signed with Notre Dame. Obviously, we is when we kind of first introduced to her. Was it was it nice kind of having her? I mean, she's a state away, right? I mean, so I imagine it was a little bit easier for her to kind of come up there and be there for you when you first kind of got out. And like you said, I mean, you, you have ACL surgery. You're not just like, okay, I'm cool. You know, uh, give me a couple days and I'm and I'm and I'm good. I'm out there jogging again. Was it nice kind of having her to be able to if when you needed her to be there to kind of just hey, it's not that it's not that far, it's not that too far of a drive for her to get up there from. You know, from does she still live in Greer or was did where? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. So um, to kind of get up yeah, from Greer was, and up to Charlotte, it was great. I mean, it was my whole system too. My sister goes to the school in Charlotte. Um, my brother's okay. in Greensboro. Dad, you know, my older sister's in Greer as well. So it's like you know, I had my whole support system, which was good. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. alone in that thing, which was good. You know, it can, it can get dark sometimes, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the fact that I wasn't alone, I could ha- I had outlets like. Whenever they called me, I'll pick up. I'm like, hey, I'm just chilling. You know, I'm just sitting here. <laughs> you know, I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, she would come up whenever she felt like it. And I couldn't say anything because <laughs> I needed help. So, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Now, Troy, one of the things I've always, you know, one of the reasons I originally wanted to get you on the show is not just, you know, what you've done on the field, but really you've, you're someone who's kind of looked at your opportunity as, hey, I, I've, I've been blessed. I've worked hard to get to a certain place. I want to make sure that I'm able to give back you know, to my community and really be involved. So that's another thing I want to talk about is just to give you a chance to talk to the fans and just kind of share with them some of the things you're doing. Like I know you have a camp, uh, you have other work in the community. So what are some of the things that you're doing, whether it's in the Charlotte area, whether it's back home in Greer, wherever it may be, uh, that that people can know about or in potentially, you know, people may be able to support what you're doing? Well, I mean, this, this is my area right here. This is my oil. This is when I start getting going. So, um, so first things first, I'm talking about my camp, which is, you know, truly blessing to be able to do. Like, it's it's something that, you know, I've dreamed about and I've thought about. Um, but, you know, you never really know growing up, um, especially in Greer, because, you know, there wasn't that superstar athlete. I'm the first NFL player from my high school ever playing an NFL game. So, you know, I didn't grow up having, you know, camps and I to look up to. So and my first thing when I got in the league was like, I want to be that for somebody. I want to, you know, hold the platform to be able to, you know, have kids there, teach them the game of football, have fun with them, and, you know, one day say, hey, I went to that camp, and that meant everything to me. Like, that meant everything for my career. Like, if, if they wanted to be a brain surgeon, and they were like, I heard at Troy Pride's camp when I, in 2022 that I can do anything in this world, and at that time I knew that I'd be a brain surgeon, boom, I did it. Or, you know, somebody makes a league one day, like, Hey, I saw an NFL player when I was really young, and that motivated me to, to to take care of the classroom, take care of the field, and go chase my dream. That's like that's everything for me because that's like that's affecting lives for the better in their like future, which is all, all like the future. That's that's what it is. That's what this world is gonna be. Those those kids, how you raise them, how they're brought up, is everything the world's gonna be. 
when you know I'm old and I'm done. So, so yeah, I had my camp, inaugural camp last year. Um, amazing time. You know, only 75 kids, and uh, it was just like I said, even with COVID restrictions, I had a great time. I was out there messing with each drill. I had my family out there helping. I had you know just the community surrounded around me, just you know doing what they can for my old high school. Allowed me to use their mm-hmm. venue to 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 hold it and, and did everything for Greg Miller has, was instrumental in helping me, you know, just set it up because, you know, I never, you know, I knew, I didn't know what I was doing. And he just, you know, kept giving me points, keys, what to do, how to set this up. All right, let's set this up. Boom. Like, it, so it was amazing. And we're going to do it even bigger and better this year. Uh, I'm so excited for it again because I got so many corrections to make from last year. Um, but that's just the kids camp now. Like we're mm-hmm. just getting started because, um, you know, also within the community, you know, there's, there's probably there's um, individuals that are struggling, and mm-hmm. like especially like for me during like holidays and things that like really gets to me because mm-hmm. you know, I never had that, like specific struggle. I was never like we were blessed enough to have um, things like have a Thanksgiving, but like it breaks my heart when you hear about like families that aren't able to do that, like you're not able to afford a turkey to, to give your kids for Thanksgiving. Like, I want to try to be a bridge for, like, that kind of stuff as well. Like, helping out Thanksgiving, helping out Christmas. Like, I want to do this year, uh, 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 take some kids and just let them, you know, give them a gift card, go to Walmart, go to Target, go to, you know, elsewhere, pick out what you want, you know, and then take care of the parents as well to know, like, hey, the pressure alleviated off you. Like, you don't, you don't have to sit up here and struggle and, and, and worry about having to provide and, and being scared that your kid, you know, doesn't, I don't know, like just so much of that is just like so personal and uh, it's something that is truly hits home for me because that's what my uh, my grandmama, my big mama, that's what I called her, mm-hmm. she was like huge with that kind of stuff and unfortunately mm-hmm. she passed away and I think that, you know, that spirit of giving, that spirit of helping others has passed directly on to me, so. So some people kind of get into that when they get older because, hey, I went through this and, you know, I want to help people that went through this. But what you're saying is that that's not necessarily wasn't your experience, but you were raised to say you have been given. So from what you've been given, you 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 want to give back. That's what you're saying. You learn from your big mama and your grandma is to, is to say, hey, look, this is what you do. Right. This is how you you build up your community. Right. This is how you exactly. build up those people around you. Yeah, And in the, the community that supported me, like. You know, I don't know how many people were sitting there cheering for me. Uh, I grew up high school to to be great, or or help me. You know, throughout like my times, like people that used to give me rides home. I used to walk. Like it's it's a whole bunch um, that you know. I just want to give back. I want to be there for them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna move to the Charlotte area as I, you know, continue to go. But I think you know, just getting back in Greer and, and being that figure for uh, so many families and and just the whole community is something that I really. Um, want to be and want to embody. Now, you've also still been very engaged with the Notre Dame family. I mean, I see you retweeting things all the time at Notre Dame, so clearly uh, you still hold that part of your your career dear to you. And in fact, that's what we want to kind of, one of the things we wanted to discuss that you tweeted about the other day is you're actually going to be up back this way here in, in not too long, right? So it was a nine days next, uh, was the next Thursday on March 24th. I believe, uh, and, and if you don't follow Troy on Twitter, Troy, give people your Twitter account because I know you're going to be tweeting about this, but you're going to be in South Bend next Thursday, 
signing autographs with some of the other members of your 2016 recruiting class, which we'll talk about here in a second. So just uh, you so, want to so, give people just your your Twitter your Twitter account real quick. If you don't follow Troy, you got to follow Troy because he posts good stuff. You're going to be challenged, right? There's going to be times you're going to be challenged for, about things, and it's it's not football. It's it's it's, it's going to you're going to have to think about certain issues. So, um, exactly. and I would encourage you to do so. So why don't you go ahead and give that out to people, Troy? Yeah. So my Twitter handle has always been the same. It's Troy Pride 18. And if you really remember, I was number 18 before I was number five. That's kind of where I it do. came from. I do. So, um, well, because you kind of messed me up. So I had some pictures. My wife used to take photos during games, right? And so I had some really good shots of you early in your career, and I couldn't use them anymore on my website when you switched to number five. It's like, come on, Troy. You know, I had some good shots of you, man. So I had to get some new ones when you switched to five. My mom was so upset because she had, like, printed off some 18 stuff, and she's like, you know, you just need to stay with it. Just rock with it. And I'm like, nah, like five, you know, that's, that's my being. That's my essence. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's when I'm, you know, me. So I had to change it. And she was like, mm-hmm. she was sick for a good, like two or three weeks for me changing. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're 24, right? We actually had a kind of a question, speaking of numbers, we had a question about that. Michael Parks asked that we have two questions about numbers. I want to get to you real quick, Troy. Michael Parks asked is what number are you on the Panthers and why did you choose it? If you did choose it. So I'm number 25, which mm-hmm. first five is obviously from college. And we didn't have that single digit rule, which I don't really mm-hmm. like. Um, but also, like 25 is significant to me because that's the first number I wore in high school. Um, for Riverside High School, I was 25 my sophomore year when I started varsity. But but then uh, aside from that, my dad wore 25 back in the day. and He was like Very this nice. all-world Pop Warner high school running back in Georgia. And um, and so he wore 25. And I, like I said, when we first picked numbers, I forgot. I don't know why I picked it, but it's just like, I was like, let me get 25. I need it. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, dude, I used to wear 25. Like, that's, that's crazy. That's even, awesome. Like, here. So. So you said it is, it is, like you said, it is, it's like in your DNA. Like you just knew somewhere deep in there was like 25. You got to get 25. You got to do it. He was shocked. So, too, so like, for some of those who don't know, in the NFL, up until this, this is the first year that like it was non. Before this year, it's basically quarterbacks and kickers and punters were basically about the only people that could have a single digit number. Obviously, that rule has changed, so that was not the rule when you got to pick your number. So obviously, you didn't get a chance to get number five. Um, here's a question for you, Troy. I'm gonna get you fired up a little bit today. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you fired up at some point in time. Okay. My man, Michael Johnson, who's who's one of our loyal, loyal, loyal subscribers and listeners and members of our Irish Breakdown community, he's coming at you a little bit with a question. Nice to see you doing well. My question to you is this. Who is the best number five, you or Cam Hart? I thought you were going to say <laughs> or Everett Goldstein. Like, I mean, I can't chat, but I think Cam's a great corner. I think mm-hmm. he, he's he's got the tools to develop. He's, what, 6'2", can move mm-hmm. fluid, uh, former receiver. I think he's um, got the ability to do everything. Like, I think he can be, you know, day one if he um, elevates mm-hmm. the right way. But, you know, I'm I'm always going to pick myself. Like, I should. He's still he learning. The, he's still yeah, learning. He's, yeah. he's still got a little ways to go. My junior year, his junior year, if you can pay him, I was lit, so – Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you guys, uh, you guys had some fun that your junior year in 2018. There's no doubt, one of the best, if not the best, cornerback tandem in the country. So we'll we'll, we'll get to that though. We'll get to that. So if you yeah. say who is the best number five at Notre Dame in the last decade, 
okay, besides Troy Pride, okay, who's the best number five at Notre Dame in the last decade? You just said a Mantine. couple of them. You got yeah, okay. yeah. I got Mantine. Okay. Like, bro, like yeah. to do that on defense to have like what seven was it seven picks? Seven was, picks. Like, yeah. come on, bro. Like that's when when like I said when I was picking and I was like, dang, like I wonder what five. I'm like, dang, like that's Mantine Taylor what five. Like, <laughs> Like, I mean, Everett Goldson was great, too, yeah. you know, great quarterback. You know, and they did, both had did. that same year. They both four or five the same year when they went to play for the title game because Everett had that, obviously, oh, on wow. offense. He was the quarterback of that team, right? Yeah, I didn't you know, even realize They that. almost got in trouble because that was the year when they when they beat Pitt. When Pitt mm-hmm. missed that game potential game-winning field goal, they had two dudes with number two on the field. It was Bennett and Chris Brown were both on the field at the same time. The refs missed it. So that's where you got to go. Be careful with double numbers. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. you got to be a little careful. But, uh, yeah, that was a, a year for number five. And then, obviously, Cam carrying on that cornerback. And I kind of like that. You know, it's like, you know, carrying on that cornerback tradition. I think it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's obviously a number he likes. But I, I, I kind of like those things, you know, when, when guys continue yeah. to do that. But, uh, you know, he, he, he's a completely different player than you were. You know, I mean, he's long and rangy. And you were fast and twitchy and those kind of things. And like you said, he's a former receiver. So he's, he's still learning. He's still got some things yeah. to learn. You were, you and him were teammates though, for a season, correct? He was, a, you guys went so. against each other. I would imagine in practice because he was a receiver for part of his freshman year. Didn't he move over to corner during that first year though? Or was it his second he year? Did. It okay. was he. Um, so it was like towards like around the middle of the season. Cause I remember he ran the craziest route against me one time and can't, I was like, bro, don't you ever do that again? Cause that's never gonna work. <laughs> like he he tried like a double move. So seven on seven ugly. routes, man. That's what it is. Yeah. So seven like, on bro. seven routes with no pass rush. Like, I'm telling him, I'm like, bro, like you're a freshman. Bro. He was like, yeah. I'm like, bro, don't you ever do that again? Like, first of all, the quarterback's never gonna have time. And second of all, I sat on that. Like that was not good. So I don't know if he remembers that, but I was like, bro, don't you ever do that again, bro. But no, he's like I said, it's great to see him. Like I said, selling, learning, getting you know the game under his feet. You know that, those two picks against Wisconsin, I was like, all right, like mm-hmm. Kim, if you want to do something now, <laughs> you keep playing. Mm-hmm. You gonna come out this year, but I think he needs one more year to learn, and um, he'll be he'll be ready to go. Well, after those two picks, he kind of went through what you went through the second half of 2019. Which was they just stopped throwing at you. I mean, just, yeah. that was the thing. I mean, kind of like last seven, eight games of your your last season was just like, ah, we ain't gonna throw that guy. We're gonna See, it, but the thing is, is, I didn't capitalize on all my opportunities either. Mm-hmm. Like, so they did. Like Boston College, I had no targets, no, I had nothing. Mm-hmm. But like Virginia Tech, they were targeting me a bunch. I dropped a pick, a crucial one, um, and then there, it's just like, I, like I went back after my um, senior year and looked at, like, film again just because I was like, you know, let me just do this for for me. I was like, bro, mm-hmm. I, I could have had three picks and probably been, you know, second, first round pick. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still upset about that, but I'll make up for it. <laughs> You'll make up for it. You can make up for it with the Panthers. That's what I That's what I want to hear. I want to get sure. back to this because we, we kind of went away from it. We kind of had some fun talking about uh, uh, talking about those numbers, but – Talk to us about what you got got what you got planned next week, Troy. So you're you've made the decision. I think the first poor decision I think you've made in your career is to leave the South to come up to South Bend in March uh, when it's still cold. But other than that, you know, I'm looking forward to. It. But talk to us about what you guys got planned for next week, the signing event that you guys got going on. All right, so this is a this is an exclusive, really nice event that we're planning. Um, we're still working through a lot of the details of it and, and logistically how it'll go. But basically, you know. Six of us, you know, Tony, Alohi, Julian, Jalen, Dante, and me. 
and you know from the Savage 16 class, which is what we refer to ourselves as, just members, you know, not everybody, because, you know, it would be too big, but, you know, we're doing photos that, you know, we'll sign up at Notre Dame. We've got player-worn gear, like stuff that we wore in the Goog, stuff that we worked out in, stuff that, you know, we, we lounged around in that we're going to have there, shoes, gloves, like, and then there's, like, there's a raffle, too, that we're going to have. It's like a big raffle of items, like specialty items, like we've got duffel bags, I think there's jersey in there or something. Um, I've got, actually, it's pretty funny, I've got a signed Brian Kelly football that I'm <laughs> going to, have to you know, give to some fan that can do whatever they want with it. If you want to keep it, you keep it. If you want to get a knife and, you know, so that's, that's just what, what, what whoever wants to do with it. But, um, no, nah, it's, it's like I said. It's See, now you're trying to get me fired up. That's what you're doing. Now you're trying to get me fired up. <laughs> Like I said, hey, if like the, ra- the raffle's gonna have it. So mm-hmm. if you want, you want to win the raffle, get a couple raffle tickets. And mm-hmm. but now nah, it's gonna be good. We're gonna give away some items. Uh, I'm trying to have you know some kids there um, from from certain classes just to come through, get some stuff mm-hmm. free, um, just to show up to the community that you know obviously helped us and uh, did so much for us. But at the same time, you know it's gonna be a great event. We're gonna have we're gonna have a rock and we're gonna have you know all the guys in having fun, being able to take pictures, talk about memories, talk about you know, 2018 playoff game. I mean, not the game, but the season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, just, you know, all kind of stuff. So I think, like I said, any Irish fans, any dedicated Irish fans that want to see us, that, you know, want to talk through this and have some good time, should be there, should come through, should have a good time. Because, you know, we're going to – I mean, and then we're going to be there supporting Dante, who's mm-hmm. participating in Pro Day the next day. Um, so, like I said, we'll get a chance to all be around there – um, and and do that, and then to be honest, in the future, we talked about coming back into DB camp. You know, we oh, might be awesome. get a get Mr. Todd Light come back and have the goat come with us. <laughs> we, we rock out and do some real DB. Get get the Chicago, Mishawaka, all that area. I don't know, you know, which area first, and that's just preliminary ideas. But get that going and have mm-hmm. you know a DB clinic. So. That'd be awesome. And, it, and speaking of, so it'll be Thursday, March 24th from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock p.m. at the Linden Grill on South Michigan Street in South Bend. So definitely check that out, everybody. Uh, spread the word. Let people know. And obviously, Troy will uh, be tweeting a lot about that. He's already put some stuff about that. So, you know, Notre Dame fans, retweet that. Let other Notre Dame fans know about it so they can be there for that. And it's going to be, I mean, so reading through this, it sounds like, you know, one of the, that whole, I mean, you you were part of a giant secondary class when you signed with Notre Dame. I mean, it was yeah. you, it was Julian Love, it was Dante, it was De- it was Devin Stud still, it was J- Jalen Elliott. You had Spencer Perry was part of that group. I'm trying to think of – I know I'm going to forget somebody. It's like seven different guys. And then a Logie yeah. transfers in, you know, and then he's kind of basically part of that group. And a lot of those guys are going to be back. So you're going to be there. I believe Julian Love's going to be there. Jalen Elliott, Alohi Gilman are going to be there. Uh, Dante Vaughn's going to be there. So, I mean, that one secondary class really just changed like the trajectory of Notre Dame. I mean, secondary was kind of like, eh, you know, you had Harrison and then a couple guys here and there. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, bam, this whole secondary just shows up at once. Um, and exactly. so you guys are all going to be there as part of that, uh, of that event. Correct. At least that's the plan yeah. as of right now. Of course. And I think, like I said, it's important for us to, to kind of, you know, be back in South Bend and, and because We've all made it to the league. We've all been afforded opportunities to leave. So now it's like, hey, like, 
like let's keep showing our face. Like let's make sure that you know we're around because you know we still love the the area. We still love to be there. Dante is training there right now. Um, and we we added Tony. So you can't forget about Tony. You know, Mister fourteen hundred yards. Um, yes. You know, running all yes. over folks. So. Tony Jones Jr. was a part of that class as well. Finished yeah, his career so like, with like an eighty-five yard touchdown run. At least in his last game, he had like an eighty-five yard touchdown run. Mister, you know, he don't have speed. You know what I mean? So exactly. he's also elite. part. I mean, there's. There's a lot of guys from that class in the league. People don't realize that. There's a lot of kids from that class that are in the NFL right now. So, I mean, you and, had, um, what, six f- six DBs from – five DBs from that class were in the NFL on NFL rosters last year, right? That's sure. nuts. That's nuts. Yeah, and, that's impressive. And, and, and it's crazy because we used to – we used to argue with, like, our, our, like our older guys, like Niles Morgan, uh, BT, um, Nick uh, Watkins – because we were always, hey, we're the best class to come through this place. Like, mm-hmm. but um, now nah, you know, you know, everybody will argue and have their points and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, nah, I mean, I think that truly we were. We changed the culture. I mean, going from four and eight, first year, having to deal with that, and then, you know, for us, including the fifth year, four straight ten win seasons, like, like mm-hmm. ten plus, like that's, and then right. two playoff appearances, like, elite. Let's talk about that, Troy, because when when you look at that class, I mean, you guys kind of came in and, like you said, you were all part of that 4-8 and season. And when it kind of became like, okay, it's rebuild time, that's when a lot of you guys started. That's when you started playing more. That's when Dante started playing more. Julian started playing more. Jalen started playing more. And you guys served as a big part of, like you said, that turnaround. You know, because, I mean, this is the thing about that defensive class. I'm looking at the defensive class now. Julian got drafted. Adi got drafted, Khalid got drafted, Dalen got drafted, uh, Julian Love got drafted, Jalen Elliott got uh, got didn't get drafted, got signed, and he's still mm-hmm. with the Lions. Dante got signed by the Chargers as an undrafted, and then you got drafted. So that's like eight guys from that de- just the defensive class in the NFL. I'm not oh, even talking about like Tony Jones Julian. on all, Tommy. Tommy Kramer started this year games for the Lions this year. Liam Eikenberg was a second-round draft pick. Like you said, Tony's in the NFL. Chase was a second-round draft pick. Javon McKinley's in the league right now. And if Kevin Stefferson would have kept his head on straight, he would have got drafted. That's a crazy class. That's a lot of NFL dudes in one class. Like Ian went fourth round. That's right, Ian. I forgot about Ian. Yeah. Went third round. Um. Yes, that's a that's a nutty class. That's a nutty class. I mean, and so I mean, what was it like? What what was it that you know? What's the role that you? I mean, every class played a role in the turnaround to some degree. What do you view as the role besides just having talented guys? It's more than that, right? Because you had talented guys in twenty sixteen. What was Mm -hmm. the role you guys played in that that change? Because you went from four and eight. To not only going ten and three, but people don't realize that schedule y'all played in 2017 was insane. That's played like eight ranked teams that year, so it wasn't like yeah. you beat up on a on a soft. You're actually the 2016 schedule was way softer than the 2019. You guys were like losing like three <laughs> and nine, four and eight teams. The 2017 yeah. schedule was no joke. What was it that that changed? I mean, obviously you got new coaches and all that, but for because you guys still got to go on the field and play. What was it? And what was the role you guys had? And, and change it because you said it. It wasn't a well. We got better. It was a culture change. What was that? What, what? How did that happen? And what was the role you guys played? So the first person I have to like credit that to is Matt Bayless. Mm-hmm. Like no joke, because he. I remember when he came in and he said, "Look, like some of y'all are gonna quit, 
some like a lot of y'all aren't gonna be here. And that's my job to like break y'all into shape, basically. Like that was basically what he said when he first got in there. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like I said, I'm seeing everybody from I'm like, we'll all be here. Like, but like I didn't really realize it. But like he instilled a different level of toughness in us, truly. And and I think that he instilled it specifically into our class, specifically into the young guys that he knew had to at some point grow up and go play for real. Um, and with that, it's trickled down from our leadership, from from us teaching young guys, from us being a pillar for young guys, from us being an example for young guys. Like the toughness that he instilled into us, coupled with our talent, coupled with the leadership, and and, and then us just going on playing has like absolutely attributed to the change in culture, change in what Notre Dame truly is. Um, because yeah, like I don't like just my just thinking about my freshman. Year, I don't think we really had that. Like you had leaders, you had guys that were good, you had this and the third, but it was it's just different when Coach Barrys came in. It was just different. Like and then you know playing defense tougher under Elko in seventeen, then changing the lead and, and like I said, keeping that same gritty tough defense. Just like hey, whatever the case may be, we need to stand up on defense. Like it's not about what the offense do. It's not about here. It's like like, so that's just, like, small stuff that I knew. It was like, golly, like, we really – like, it's on our shoulders. And we were tough enough to hold it. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't like, hey, dang, it's, the pressure's too much. It's like, nah, like, we got each other's backs all the way through. Like, if we need to play, Khalid's ready to go and make it. Julian, hey, bro. I, I told him up time, hey, bro, go get a sack. Like, I, we don't feel like covering that long. So, <laughs> go get a sack, bro. Boom. He, like – you think about the Virginia game in in twenty, it just even twenty nineteen, like golly, like dude's taking over just that like, full game, like, mm-hmm. and like I said, that's just attributed to the toughness that we develop, um, the 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 two attitude that we developed under Matt Bayless, and then our leadership of our captains. You know, you had Jalen always vocal, like even when you didn't want him to, and like you can't find a lot of dudes like that because mm-hmm. you know, nowadays people are like. I don't want to be too vocal. I don't want to be deemed as the bad guy. Bro, Jalen and I used to go at it. Because I'm like, bro, like, chill out. Or I'm like, bro, what's the call? Like, I'm screaming at him. He's like, bro, I'm going to tell you the call when I tell you the call. Like, and, like, we're like we're going back and forth. But it's like I needed that type of leader behind me. Because I'm like, dang, like, all right. Well, he knows his stuff. He's going to get it to me. And I, I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about that. I don't have to worry about the he's saying, look, bro, I'm, 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 I'm about to I'm gonna be right here if he comes out. Like, I'm not worrying about. That. Like, I know for a fact if he runs an inside route, it's over. So I can stay on the outside. Like, it was just, like I said, having captains like that, having dudes like that to stand behind and play for and create that brotherhood, that's everything. Because, like I said, I, it, it wasn't the case in 2016. And, I mean, you saw the result on the field. And now, like I said, it's been trickled down to these young guys that know, like, hey, do we have a standard now? You know, now it's like, hey, you know, we're doing this to, to – to be better than those class. We're doing this to show that we're better than everybody else. So, you know, that's so, a short spiel on it. So Coach Bayless can say whatever he wants. I mean, a coach, a strength coach can come in and say, hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this. But you guys still had to buy in. How quick was the buy-in? Like, was it something where it took you guys some time? Or were you guys like, hey, this is different. Like, we're going to buy in. We're going to be part of the change. Um, I think it went over time, it, like because, mm-hmm. like you say, he still had individuals that weren't ready to do that, and you kind of had to weed those guys out. 
so it took a little bit of time and a little bit of, like I said, breaking. Like, we went through some very intense workouts that 2017 spring. Like, really, like, as he introduced us to that uh, leg press squat pro machine, it made a man out of a lot of dudes. I'm telling you, like, like I can personally remember being in the squat pro doing reps, I think, like, basically on a whistle and almost, like, passing out, like, having, like, exhaustion headaches. I mean, like, like I said, and people, that's not, that's not a bad thing. It was, like, it was, mm-hmm. it's what I needed. I'm like, dude, right. if I can go through that, if I can make it through that, bro, let's go play. Like, let's you go had to whatever. be pushed beyond what you thought was your limit. It's not pushing you to a point where you're going to get hurt, but it's every player thinks his limit is here, and it's the job of the strength coach saying, no, 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 you're capable of getting here. You may not think you are. But you got to get to here. You also tweeted out something recently, Troy, about your rehab and how Coach Bayless prepared you to be able to attack and have success in your rehab in the NFL. What was behind that tweet, and like, kind of where was that, and how did that, how did that experience under Coach Bayless really help you now that you're a professional? So I saw, I think they're doing mat drills, and they're doing, um, you know, just spring condition stuff, and I was like, dang, like, <laughs> like I was like, they're doing the theme lifts, like all those theme lifts. It's, it's almost PTSD because like we had a St. Patty's they lift one time that we sat up there and we're, and we're squatting twenty reps and it's like oh like but like I said um that like I said that kind of stuff made me to where like I said nothing is gonna like break me like yes I'm so like mentally strong and ready to like attack anything that it's like man like I've done this so I know for a fact I can get through this like I know for a fact it's tough like. Like I said early on, bending my knee was really tough. Like it was to where you know it feels like you're bending through a brick wall, and and you know I had to pop it to get scar tissue out. But I'm like, all right, like let's do that and let's do it again. Like let's go again. Like I'm I'm telling the rehab guys, they're like, all right. like I'm like now nah, let's do it one more time. Like I can go farther or I can do this, and that's just a testament to you know him instilling so much of a tough worker mentality. That, you know, now I carry everywhere I go, that competitiveness everywhere I go. So you, you talked about kind of having a DB camp, which I think would be a phenomenal idea. That'd be great. I've I've also wanted the former O-lineman o to have an O-line camp. Like, you know, have Zach and Ronnie and, and Hainsey and Q and all and Sam and Alex and all those guys kind of come back and have an O-line camp. You know, I think that'd be fun. I think a DB camp would be a blast to go all the way back, get like Harrison Smith. I mean, you know, they you guys have had some NFL DBs in Notre Dame. You know what I mean? So, um, Russell going to get, yeah. I guess, having, having Coach Light come back, having even Jeff well, Kav- And Kavari can teach the how to talk trash as a cornerback session, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess, and then we have maybe, and like, just, just, this is just me thinking, I have like some one-on-ones or like, right. you know, have some controlled atmosphere, right. but like make it hype, like, Right. Y'all come out here and compete for real. Like this isn't. Right. We're not just out here. This isn't. You know, we're doing this because we want to see. You know, who are the good DBs in this area? Like we want to see mm-hmm. who can make it out of this area. Who wants to actually go to Notre Dame? Who wants to be, you know, that guy from you know Mishawaka, South Bend, surrounding areas, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you want to come from Chicago? Come, come showcase your skills. Mm-hmm. Like. So if you talk about like doing a camp, let, let's talk a little bit about like what would be you know corner play. I think there's a lot of misconception about corner. It's it's about it's about speed. It's about hips. It's about length. It's about whatever. But it 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 is to a degree. But there's so much, especially in today's game. There's so much skill involved, technical skill involved, and mental skill involved. That it's not just like you can't just go out there and be like I'm just going to cover. Like 
it's a think it's become so much more of an of a like you got to know that you got to know the game you've got to be intelligent you've got to be instinctive you've got to study so let's kind of just talk real quick about like just the, the art of cornerback play right and let's begin you know as you kind of think about it like you break it down into a couple different areas right like there's the mental part and there's the technical part and then there's like the intangible part assuming you've got the physical ability to go out and play so let's talk about sort of the mental part of the game. What are the most, if you're teaching the camp, what are the most important mental parts that guys need to have and learn when it comes to being a successful cornerback? Um, so everybody talks about it, and that's first a short-term memory. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you play corner, you're going to get a ball caught. And, like, regardless, you know, the best guys here and there, it happens. And it could be a long one. It could be a short one. It doesn't matter. And, like, the same mentality has got to hold that the next one won't be. So, like, it's, it's kind of having that, like, pit, pit bull, like, big dog, underdog mentality, like, for real. Like, you got to be that guy. Like, I think that truly, you know, the best teams, the corners are, you know, probably one of the toughest dudes on the on the field and on the – especially on the defense. Because, like I said, you got to go in and you can have 70 great reps and one at the end of the game and everybody thinks you had the worst game ever. You got to have a mental fortitude to rock, to know that you can come back and, and do the same stuff and actually have 78 plays better this time so that it's a complete game. Or you can you can have a great game and get no stats. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, where were you? But it's like, right. oh, like I'm locking up. But you <laughs> just got to have, like, so that, like, part of it, that knowing yourself, knowing, you know, how true you are to the game, how much you study, how much you put in, and then executing it out there is, mm-hmm. is, is first and foremost. And you talk about studying the game. How important is, and I guess, what's the process like to being a student of the game? Because I think that's a that's a thing that a lot of people maybe don't quite understand about cornerback play is to be a great corner. I don't care how talented you are. You've got to be a student of the game. What does that entail as a corner? What what does it mean to, to, to know the game, to study the game, to know your opponent, that type of stuff as a corner? Well, I mean, if I if, – you I might try to get real technical. Here. So if you want to be a student of the game, it's like knowing like your opponent better than really they know themselves. Like knowing when they got their inside foot up and 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 they're, they're pushing outside already before the snap, you know that okay it's an outside release, or you know okay he's a, he's a very fast breaker, so I'm gonna see him rise and I'm gonna see him break. Or he's a taller guy, so I see his knees when his knees start to slow down, that's when it's time to break. Or like feeling when they're put when they're pushing pressure on you they're going opposite when when they're not they're waiting for you and they'll throw you by like it's 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 all of that and then being natural like it's knowing you know hey he's in a cut split right now he's looking inside checking me you know i'm i'm sitting here looking straight across from him watching the quarterback as well like all right where can he go from here go in boom boom all right well i gotta be ready to go here i gotta be ready to go here and then I immediately react it's it's like knowing like hey this guy's a handsy guy at the top of his route he wants to push off so I gotta be a little cleaner at the top of the route mm-hmm. so that he can't get his hands on me and and break rather than play fight with him and lose it's it's knowing that like hey you know they're, they're gonna try to load me to sleep with this guy they know I'm elite mm-hmm. right now they know I'm lit so they're gonna wait they're gonna wait until halftime or third quarter when I come out of halftime to say okay it's time to go deep in or it's it's like it's so much of it. Like 
like, and that's all just like the mental aspect. And then you mm-hmm. gotta go react to it all. Then you gotta mm-hmm. go sit up here and be like, all right, it's a speed guy. Like, or all right, like they're changing receivers on me so that, you know, like I said, they can see which one works best on me. Like it's it's a lot. Like in, in a student of the game, like I said, you gotta you gotta take all that, have all that, have your notes on guys like while I was chilling. You know, watching teams and stuff, I'm taking notes on receivers. Like, all right, if I play him next year, this is what he likes to do. Like, if I if I see this, I know that this is what he wants to do. I know for a fact that you know, they love this route formation from this split when his foot's like this. I know when he's got the weight, like his weightiness, it changes because he's trying to do something else. Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Coach Elko one time, I was talk kind of talking with him about really about your class, and he said like. He was talking about that that evolution of the growth because this was kind of before, you know like early guys in your in your tenure. He said, "Look, what these guys have to understand is if the if the boundary receiver is six yards outside the tight uh, outside the receiver compared to eight yards outside, excuse me, uh, outside the tackle compared to eight yards based on film study, we know this is their route tree here, and it's going to be a completely different route tree just because he moved out two yards. Like that's how detailed you have to be to play this game, like." Just that, like we think, oh, you know, he just kind of reduced split, no big deal. But it's going to be a completely different route tree. And then knowing that, and then knowing, like, hey, if he's here, I've got to be here. And not even just like what they can run, but I've got to be, I got to have, I got to be on that inside look or the outside look and all those kind of things. And I think that's the thing I love about football is that you can be yeah. fast and you can run a four, four flat and you can do all these kind of things. But, but man, football is, is, is much more of a, of a, I don't want to call it a thinking man's game because I, as you said, thinking is not good on the field, but it's more of like a, it's, it's not a game in my opinion, especially I think on the perimeter because you're out there all by yourself, you know, to, to a degree it's, it's a game that requires a level of intelligence that I don't think people necessarily understand and appreciate, especially to play it at the highest level, like you've done in college. And now you're in the national football league. I'm I, violent chess. Really, like mm-hmm. that's really, a great. Say that again. That's I love that. Say that again. It's like violent chess for real. Like, like I said, like all that. Like this, you got to think three moves ahead. You got to think games ahead. Like you gotta, you gotta think games behind. You gotta say, damn, I got beat on this double move. I'm gonna get the same route in week ten on third down in the fourth quarter. I'm gonna get it. Mm-hmm. I gotta be ready for it. I gotta know. I gotta correct that mistake. Or um, especially in the league, which is a copycat league, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of teams run a lot of the same stuff. If you give up one run, they're going to give up. I mean, you're going to see it probably every week. Even if they haven't shown it on film, they're going to know you yeah. got beat on it, and they're going to put it in. Yeah, put it absolutely. In, in their offense in their way. If it's if, if, mm-hmm. uh, if an offense really likes to motion a lot, they'll motion a bunch, get in on the formation they want to, and run that same run concept. Or, But, yeah, like like I said, it's you, you don't want to be thinking on the field. It's got to be kind of innate, and mm-hmm. then you gotta you gotta know that, and then you gotta play violent and, and and do it. So, let's talk a little bit about the the technical part. What are the what are the most important things to being a successful technical player? I mean, is it feet? Is it hands? Is it hands and feet? What are the parts of the technical parts that if you're saying if you're putting your camp plan together, right? You guys are gonna have this DB camp, and you you guys are gonna teach corners. What are the, the the let's say the three areas? Say, well, this is the stuff we're going to focus on because if these kids are going to be successful, we've got to make sure we set this foundation. What would those what would those things be? Those things be, Troy. I'm starting off with eyes, feet, hands. 
right? That goes in 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 any facet in every way. Like I okay, so say you're pressing. Eyes gotta be right, or you'll never know where he's going because receivers move so well with the head, blah blah blah, do all this stuff. You'll never see where it's going if your eyes aren't right. If you're looking at his face, he'll deceive you. Right? So your eyes gotta be right first and foremost. Then your feet have to move before your hands engage. Like you see a lot of guys in seven on seven now just throwing their hands straight at dudes, like just lunging at guys. That's cool, that's cute for cameras and stuff sometimes. But if you really want to play elite, those feet have to move first, right? Now, if you cut the dude off and then put your hands on him, okay, let's rock out. You win it. You're doing what you're supposed to do. And dumb jamming is a technique too, but still, I see guys lunging and and like I said, they haven't even moved their feet. So it's whatever. Um, so eyes, feet, hands, and and that's that's just press. Now you talk about off eyes, looking at the quarterback, seeing the formation, feet, tempo steps out, you know, good brace. If it's ninety, you got to make sure it's you know boom boom into ninety degrees. If it's forty five, boom boom into forty five degrees. If it's straight back down, it's pop out and coming right all the way back down. So feet. And then, you know, hands wrapping up, making a tackle, stripping the football, and knocking the ball away. So I think eyes, feet, hands can – it's like the order of being a corner. Like, eyes got to be right. And a lot of times that's where a lot of guys get got. And shoot, like I said, I'm not perfect. I've gotten got there. You know, and then moving your feet before you're trying to engage those hands, especially in press. Um, but then having good feet and off, being able to, you know, move fluidly. You know, having good hips, I mean, that's where your feet come in. And then your hands, breaking up footballs, being in the right spot, um, jamming receivers when you need to, um, moving how you want to. So I think if I'm teaching them, I'm saying that. And then I'm I'm making that reiterated every single time. That's all you should be thinking. Eyes first, move my feet when, you know, I'm trying to get in front or I'm trying to, you know, do certain things and then my hands next. And obviously those are three different things. But when you finally get it together, they're all moving. They're all working as one. I mean, that's the thing is like you can't, okay, eyes, okay, then feet, then hands. Like you build that foundation in preparation, but once it clicks, it's all working together. You know, that's oh, yeah. all one thing. And same thing with receivers. It's like I'm as when I was a receivers coach, it's like, you know, first thing we talk is the stance. Then we work on hand play. You know, then we work on steps or we work on steps and hand play and all that kind of stuff. But you can't do that in the game because if I'm like, okay, step first, by that point in time, your, your hands are in my chest. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like it's got to work together. But you build it. Right. You build it one at a time. And then it's like, you know, it's like it's like I, I like foot. It's kind of odd, but I like comparing football to like a ballet. You start with one aspect and we're just kind of here and then you, you build it. And then at the end, it's like, it's all, it's, I call it, I love thing. Football to me is organized chaos. That that's the thing for me. It's like, it's organized chaos. And, and uh, it, it's what makes it to me a beautiful game. It's just one of the things I love about it, it is it's a, such a violent game. Like I loved your violent chess. It's beautiful. But it's not just like, you know, meat wads, you know, like, oh, ha, ha, I don't know anything. I me play football. Like you got football is an, an, a game that requires intelligence because you I know you I know you're not, we're not going to name names, but I know you've played with and against some really athletic dudes that could not play ball at all because they didn't have it here or here. Yeah. And, and I think like building that foundation is something that like, so I want young kids to know, too. Like I even still kind of that little stuff into my kids' can like, for six-year-olds. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, well, you know, keep your eyes down. 
Use your feet first. Use your hands after. Like, mm-hmm. just because, like, that's a foundation. And then you can get into the cues. <clears throat> then you can get into, hey, I'm watching the quarterback. I can bait him into this, make make him thinking I'm here. I can move around and press and sit up there and, and start mm-hmm. middle, move outside leverage, move inside leverage. But, like, that foundational piece is, yeah, that's that's everything. Because, yeah, like, that's, like I said, that's where a lot of your issues come. Like, like I said, I can look, you can look at every play that anyone's ever played and say, his eyes are bad. He didn't move his feet. He didn't use his hands. <laughs> like, I swear, like, that's like, like if you just wanted to film, it's just like eyes, boom, hands, boom, feet. Like, you could just do that because mm-hmm. that's the issue. Boom, right there. Okay. So. And then you kind of already covered the intangible part. I mean, you, you already covered that, and you kind of include it in the mental part. The intangible part is a cornerback has to have supreme confidence in himself. Genuine, not not the false bravado of I can cover, and then the first time you get beat, you, you know your your pride gets sucked out of your body, right? Like you know, I'm sorry, you've been enough camp, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a legitimate confidence. Like, okay, I, I got beat, I can correct it. I know what I did wrong, I'm gonna correct it. He ain't doing, he's not gonna do that to me again. Uh, mm-hmm. That's such an important piece to being a good cornerback. Like you talked about, is to me the short memory comes from having supreme confidence in yourself. Because if you're out there like this is, I can't cover this guy. This guy's gonna kill me all day. Then you're gonna get beat all day. You know, you know what I mean. So, I mean, when you held, I think you gave up one completion in the Cotton Bowl, one, and it was on a pass behind the line scrimmage. It was a screen. Uh, If you went into that game thinking, I don't know if I can cover Justin Ross. I don't know if I can cover T Higgins. They'd have smoked you all game. Exactly. But you said I I can play. I'm Troy Pride. I'm I'm, you know I'm at Notre Dame. I can play with these guys. I mean, how? I mean, explain why that's so important that you have to have that belief in yourself. No matter no matter what just happened, you have to have that supreme belief in yourself. Because, like I said, at some point something's gonna happen, and like you know, with within the game something happens. You know, you make a mistake, you do something wrong. And if you, like I said, and, and like I said, I'm not perfect either. I, it's happened to me before just as well. You know, you go into this like, dang, like, okay, like, oh, I got to make up for it. Or, like, uh, you know, you're not just, like, in that realm of, hey, I know who I am. I know what I can do. Let's go again. Like, let's try, like, come back. Try that again. If you're not in that, then, like, yeah, you can get into that lull and be like, dang, I'm tripping. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, you tripping. You're going to keep tripping if you don't you know, wake up. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, like I said, that's, that's so important because yeah, if you go out, if I go out there each week and say, Hey, these NFL receivers now, like, or, or I go out there, man, I'm NFL cornerback. Like, and then, and then I kind of, I do this thing where, you know, I kind of think about a game and I'm like, I forgot who told me this. Somebody told me this a while ago. It's like, play a game. Like somebody just smacked your mom. Somebody just smacked That's something mind. I would want to like, tell hey, a linebacker bro. for sure. <laughs> well, even that corner too, because it's like, all right, bro, yeah. like, like, nah, you're not about to do that. And like, mm-hmm. so then you're physical, you know, when they're trying to block mm-hmm. you. And then at the same time, it's like, I'm, you want to lock him up because it's like, nah, you know, like, it's just like, it's just like a mindset thing. So it's like, yeah, you got to have that. You have to probably mm-hmm. play the game at any level because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's always like it's, it's gonna be tough. Like I, I, I feel corner is the second hardest position to play in football behind quarterback. Um and it's you know, most stress, even probably more stress because like I said, if you you get burnt, everybody looking at you. Even mm-hmm. if the safety was wrong, even if everyone it's like, all right, the corner trash. With the quarterback mm-hmm. they can say the receiver messed around up, they were nobody was blocking. Nah, that corner's trash. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like that's, said, that's very position. true. 
So I'm going to ask you one more question before we dive into, before we get to some of the questions from, from fans here. And and you talked about coach light, right? And obviously what was number one, what was it like playing for someone who was a star? I mean, not, not just, I I was a good player. Dude was a, I mean, he was a star. He was two-time all American, won a championship, you know, top 10 NFL draft pick. What was it like playing for someone with that rep? I mean, was he coming in knowing that, but then also what were some of the things like, what was it like playing for coach? What did you learn? about being a man, about being a player, whatever it was, the lessons he taught, what was, what was it like playing under something like that? And then what were some things that you learned from, from playing for coach Light? So man, cause I was top five actually. Cause he, like, he always reminded us, man, he's like I said, <laughs> prototypical OG real dude. Like, like I said, and, and, and we'll always be close. He'll always be like family to me because of that like aspect. Like he, aside from the game, was always looking out and always, you know, ready to help each and every one of us. But, you know, to obviously play on it, that's like, dang, like that's that's elite. Like, that's a guy that did it here, that that All-American, like I said, <clears throat> national champion, top five pick. Like, he did everything. And, Super Bowl you know, champion. Super, yeah. that's what I'm saying, did everything. <laughs> so it's like you you want to be in his shoes, and, and you work mm-hmm. to, you know, have things that he's had. And uh, we didn't get a chance to achieve a national championship, and I was an All-American but still. Like, I just think that, you know, he taught me so much about just – Take care of your business too the right way. Like being a pro, um, you know, being able to, like I said, be that corner. Like that, he that carries that corner mindset with him in everything he does. Like even in life. So it's like, you know, you love to, have, like I said, have a mentor that a dude that's like pouring into you like that. And you know, we had a lot of great, good and bad times. Like here and there. Like your film sessions used to sometimes get a little rough. But man, like I said, I always appreciate him. I always, you know. Be indebted to him for coming to Great South Carolina and recruiting a kid and allowing me to achieve and, and live out my dreams in Notre Dame. And then the impressive thing about what he did was he did all that while wearing D tackle pads. Have you ever seen pictures of him <laughs> playing Notre Dame? Hey, we used to clown him. He might as well have thrown a neck roll on without big like, pads. Because, like, so if you ask anybody, he was big, like, big mm-hmm. tackle guy. And it was mm-hmm. like, 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 at some point, we was like, hey, bro, like, did you play safety or did you play cornerback in the day? <laughs> That's all he was doing, them big old pads on. They wasn't coming. Giant pads. No. No, he Giant pads. Like yeah, we used to clown about that, but he was – he's a real – and he wore that one. He wore that uno, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ain't – which I'm hoping they uh, – uh, that they bring that back. So, I, you know, don't even get me started on uh, why they don't have a number one jersey anymore, but whatever. Uh, so we got time for some questions, Troy. We got some good questions here that people want to ask you. Uh, my, my, my guy, ASA, AST12321, who is the funniest teammate you've had, college or pro? Okay, like, so funny to me and then funny like jokes. So if I had the funny like jokes, Dante Jackson, easy. Joke on anybody, mm-hmm. quick to it, whatever. But, like, Funniest to me, um, I was like had to be in the corner room, which was either Dante or Timmy Tope Ogoro. I don't know if many people know that name, but Timmy <laughs> was a funny dude, like hilarious. Like I said, every day, like just from the moment I met him, it was like we la- like laughed all the time. So. Timmy was hilarious. Do you ever say to Dante Jackson, why couldn't you cover Miles Boykin in the in the bowl game? We Did, talked about or, it. 
very Once. lightly. Cause, cause <laughs> Gotta I be careful. Said, yeah, he spoke something about Nathaniels. And I was like, hold up, we played LSU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe I was he was like, on that team. I'm pretty sure he was like, on that team. Yeah, so I was like, we played. And then, so, right. but, but yeah, no. Nah, yeah. He, he, Let's watch he this play where three y'all couldn't tackle Miles Boykin on his way to the end zone. I'm just, like, just saying. And I'm talking about, who was that? Um, They had Greedy on him. Greedy. Mm-hmm. Couldn't, couldn't mm-hmm. lock him up. Dante came on him. Didn't Delpit try to tackle him on it? Yeah. Yeah. Like four, he made like three or four dudes miss on that last touchdown. I mean, and, you know, I'm just saying. That's what Greedy was a first round. Greedy was second round. Delpit yeah, was early, second yeah. round. Dante yeah. was second round. Like, so. It's a yeah. lot of dudes. Saying. And then we win the game. And like like Georgia fans can talk trash. They beat y'all, you know, beat Notre Dame twice. Alabama can talk yeah. trash, they beat them twice. LSU fan can't fans can't say a dang thing to Notre Dame. Oh, you haven't beat Notre Dame since nineteen ninety seven. I'm just I'm just yeah. saying. I don't I don't want to hear nothing from LSU. No, I'm sorry, two thousand six. Yeah. Especially now though. I definitely don't want to hear nothing from LSU fans now because <laughs> um, Nah, I'm good on LSU fans. Like, like I guess I'm gonna be watching the game. Have- like, <laughs> you know, so. I hear you. I hear you. All right, let's get. We got some more. Okay, here's a good one. I love these. Adam Blair. Who's the best player you've ever played against? How about college? One in college and one in the pros. Best player you've ever played against, and it could be in practice. You can say you can say in practice if it's like if it's something like that. But who's the best player you've ever played against in college, and then the best player you've ever played against in the pros? Like I, we we spoke about him. KJ Stefferson was legit. Like, mm-hmm. and I was a young player then for sure. And I, like I said, well, I would love to see him now. I wish he could have gotten his things together. Uh, I think he could have probably been the best player. Mine knows is, um, I say a receiver though, Chase though. Like for him to be six five, can run like he runs, can like I said, go up and get it. It, it was a struggle. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. the greatest every single day. You know, it was a lot of like I felt I felt bad for Julian going into twenty eighteen. That spring, I felt so bad for watching Julian try to cover Miles and Chase. That was a rough a rough spring for Julian. (laughs) Real like Miles come out and I'm over like I'm in I'm in the field like like y'all can come over here if you want to. I'm gonna break and and be there. But yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was tough. And, and like I said, they're, how, good, how, they're great players. In all seriousness, though, like, what is it? What's the advantage to being able to go against guys like that all the time? Like, does how does? I mean, I know it does. I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't. But how does it make you a better player? Like, how does going against guys like that every day in practice make you a better player and prepare you guys to go out there and be successful? You know, how does going against those guys help you go out there? So, okay, hey, look, we can cover T. We can cover Justin Ross because we've been covering Miles and and Chase all year. Like. Does does it actually help you that way or not? Yeah, I think it's because you always got to bring it. Like, you, there's no, like I said, you know, some schools, you know, you got one good guy and everybody else is whatever. But, like, when you always got to bring it, when you, like, when everybody, like I said, trying to embarrass you every single play, it's like, all right, like, nah, like, I can't, I'm not going to play with you. <laughs> like, I can't. So, it's it, like doing that repeatedly, competing, having them talk. You know, sometimes the offense come trying to talk back. And it's like, all right, bro, like, I got something for you. And, and doing that uh, every day, it was just like, you know, everything that you needed to be a competitor. Because it's like, all right, like, if I don't bring it, if I'm tripping, I'm going to look bad. If I look bad, mm-hmm. I might not play. So if I want to play, I need to bring it. And I need to, like I said, 
compete with this dude. I need to make sure that you know I'm winning some. I'm I'm making it happen. Like, mm-hmm. So I think that's a great part of it that Notre Dame you know, provides. Like I said, and I, um, I think choosing Notre Dame as a young kid was one of the most mature decisions I've ever made because I don't think I would have got that everywhere else. I think I could have been good anywhere, but like the face dudes that, like I said, are elite in their profession now, mm-hmm. Notre Dame had it all. Well, I think these are a couple couple questions to kind of lead into that. So perfect segue, Troy. Uh, Father David asks, what is the one thing you wish fans knew what about what it's like being a football player at Notre Dame? And what do you think is the biggest misconception that fans have about playing in Notre Dame? I mean, what I think the biggest um, thing that I want fans to know is that like playing at Notre Dame is like so huge, such a traditional – you know, football is obviously huge, but, like, there's still people. Like, I think that um, it gets bad when, you know, a guy's having a bad game, a guy's having um, a bad moment, and, like I said, like, fans can come down on them so hard. And, I, like I said, I've had it happen to me, because I remember in uh, 2016 when I was playing in Miami, it wasn't my best game. I had a pass interference, gave him a couple catches, was, was picked on the third down. And I remember after the game, like, not even going to social media or anything like that, but just kind of feeling the hate and like sitting on one of the benches there and just crying. Like as a as a what eighteen or younger than that, like just a kid. I'm like, damn, I'm just a kid. Like I'm doing this. I'm going through it. And you know that's kind of you know what they deal with athletes in general deal with, but especially at Notre Dame football is so big and like you got so many diehard fans that you know can like I said sometimes attack you. Um, but you know you gotta take your lumps as it comes. But still, like I just I wish fans would like realize that when they're saying you're the worst player ever, like you shouldn't, you know, like I get you, like whatever, like I had a bad game, I had a bad play, but like I'm I'm human, like we are human, we're kids too, like we're growing, like it is a lot to deal with. Um, and then what's the second part of that question? Just the biggest mis, but I, I think I think that part is important because I, I think social media has, in a lot of ways, created a bit of an unhealthy relationship between players and fans. Because I, I, I my my advice always, you know, don't ever tweet at a player like that. Like just like you know, not not that, not like you said, these are these are kids. Right. Like you're a professional now. I mean, I still don't like it, but you're a professional. Right. I mean, you're getting paid to go do a job. These are 18, 19. You know, like you're talking about 2016. You were what, 18 years old during that game. Right. You're a freshman in college. These are still kids just because they're supremely gifted physically doesn't mean that all of a sudden they've matured 15 years compared to the normal human being. These are still kids. Mm -hmm. And so that's a that's an unfortunate thing, because I've noticed this at Notre Dame in recent years where there's you're starting to see more back and forth on social media between players and fans. And I, I don't think that's good for anybody, you know? So it's like, exactly. you know, if you're going to come at a player, do it in, in a way that you would want him to come at you. If you sucked at your job or had a bad day at your job, which is, Hey man, look, let come at you with respect or something like that. Maybe you might find a more accepting audience because like you said, I mean, even if you're a senior, you're only 20, 21 years old, you know, but these young yeah. guys, these are 18, 19 year old kids that, are physically gifted, but they're still, they're still kids. It's not like he want you. Yeah, I want to get beat for a touchdown on this play. I really feel like giving up a touchdown right now. Like, like I said, and then you put in so much work that you're like, dang, like, like you really already know that. All right, I'm, you know, letting the fan base down. 
Uh, and then you spoke about like jobs. So I mean, I know the new NIL stuff, but like we weren't playing as a job. It was just we were just playing, you know, for the school and stuff. So think about somebody just ridiculing you for doing something you just love doing. And, and then, like, like I said, I don't think people understand though. Like, it's great you and somebody, and you're watching them, but like, you can't be like, like that man in the arena quote is something that's like huge. Like, because like, only thing that matters is the person that's in that situation. And mm-hmm. like I said, I don't think everybody can realize that, and I don't think that um, even fans like realize the extent because like social media is like so quick to, oh, you know, let's go. Let me just tweet him and it's, just go. And it's at so him. easy. It's so easy yeah. to just emotionally tweet something at somebody, yeah, especially when you've had a – I've always said you should be able to take a breathalyzer test before you can tweet something. I just think that the fans had a little bit more compassion sometimes and realized that, like, what if that was your kid? Would you want him to be getting mm-hmm. his hate? Like, would you want right. – I think that, you know, if everybody just kind of realized that had more compassion for each other, I think that right. – and, and, and then I don't think it's right that, you know, I've gone at fans before too sometimes, and I've been like, I try to have fun when I go out of right. I'm like, I'm going to joke with you. But still, like, I don't think that, you know, that should be the case. I don't think it should ever right. be like, I hate you. Well, I hate you too. And right. you're the worst person Because like, criticism you know. is one thing. I mean, it's like, hey, man, you know, look, Troy's got to Troy's got to read that correctly. And he's got to, you know, make he, you know, he, he you got to, you know, you, you, assignment wasn't correct or your techniques got to get better. Like, that's the thing for me. Like, part of my job is being critical of your performance, exactly. you know, but it's like, do you say, man, he, this kid sucks. Or hey, look, Troy's gonna have to work on look his ball recognition when the ball's near. I'll go right. You got you got to get better there. Or you know, hey, you got to yeah. do a better job of route recognition on this underneath stuff, man. You were giving up too much of a cushion. That's you can't you know you can't let that happen. You know, those are type of things I think if we could have more of a hey, let's talk some ball. I might be more willing to you know listen to what you have to say if it's if it's if, it's, if you come at me correct. But if you come at me with like you suck, you're trash. It's like well, you're an idiot. So you know, yeah. have a good and, day. And, and that's the thing. I think that. You know, I mean, obviously, like I said, I had my struggles with, you know, sometimes face guarding and things. And, and I can hear constructive criticism on why I should change that, on what I should do, when I should turn for that. Like, and I was working on that. Like, and I'm trying, like I said, my best to even stiff it out. But, like, yeah, when you just tell me that I'm just terrible. And, mm-hmm. like, like I said, I don't deserve to be here or what have you. It's like, come on, bro. Like, like I could, like, fans, football players can talk football. We can do that. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're attacking me. The oh, worst player in the NFL team? is still a hell of a football player. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, come on. You know right? what I mean? Like, the like, worst player ever right. is still great, is a great athlete. It's, so Yes. Yes. Unless we're talking about punters and kickers, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> so, um, got, some, got some more. Got some good questions here, Troy. I think uh, here was one from uh, – what was your recruiting experience like? Because, I mean, you you came a long way. I believe, if I remember correctly, you were at the Notre Dame-Clemson game in 2015, that epic battle, as a recruit, if I remember correctly, right? Absolutely. So what was your recruiting experience like, and what was it ultimately that, that led you to say, Notre Dame is – that's the place for me? You know, like you said, not, not a lot of kids from South Carolina, period, go to Notre Dame, much less someone from, yeah. you know, like you said, Greer, South Carolina. I think that game was hilarious because I remember being there and like being kind of looking at the Notre Dame side and like recording them because they're showing a little bit better interest in me. So, mm-hmm. um, recruiting for me though, it's kind of been a testament to my career, like I spoke about earlier. I wasn't this five star guy in high school or, or my freshman high school. I worked my way up to being, you know, a respectable recruit. Um, received, uh, I believe, 13 offers. 
you know, that's not 70 that some guys got. <laughs> but um, like I said, it was respectable. And like I said, Notre Dame was – I was blessed enough to have Notre Dame recruit me going into my senior year and offer me a scholarship to play for their university. Previously, I was committed to Virginia Tech. But when Coach Beamer announced that he was leaving, um, and I asked my DB coach there at the time, I was like, give me a percentage on, you know, if you think you're even going to be here. He couldn't. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can't hold – I can't put all my eggs in the basket. I can't right. sit there and, and give you and, and continue this, you know, commitment and not even knowing if you're committed to me being there. Like, so mm-hmm. I opened it back up. A lot of schools came on, specifically Notre Dame, and, you know, they recruited me hard. Archie Denson, Coach, Coach Light, they were instrumental in me coming there because they were Notre Dame greats that made it and, you know, are still successful in what they do. Um, I only took two official visits, Notre Dame and NC State. Um, and like I said, Notre Dame was a place for me. I knew it because I wanted to be the best man, football player, and at, um, student that I could be. Like, have a great degree, play high football, and then learn more as a man. Like, going up, growing up, not being Catholic, and getting to experience that mass and, and the culture around it, it was amazing to see and seeing so many new, different people, so... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So one of the the we talked one of the previous questions was one of the biggest misconceptions. Here's one I think, and you and I were talking about this before the show. You just basically said you and this whole thing that people say, well, this is why Notre Dame can't recruit top players because these kids don't want to go to class. And you embraced that. That was a reason that you came. How many of your teammates were like that? Like how many of you and your teammates were like, hey, I came here to Notre Dame because because it is harder. Because I do want to be challenged. Because it's not just football. It's more about yeah. it's more about more than that. That's what the next question is going to be about too. Which is, you know, you know, from Father David, we know your your career is still in its early days. But you know, what does your post football life look like? What would you love to do when you're done playing? But when you go to Notre Dame, you're already. I would imagine a lot of you guys are already kind of already thinking about that because you're coming Absolutely. to Notre Dame. So so what, talk if you don't mind, Troy. Just kind of talk about that. Like you know, look. The guys that make pick Notre Dame, you you embrace the fact that hey, I know I got to go there. I know it's going to be harder. I know I'm going to have to go to class. I'm going to do all those kind of things. And you know what did that do for you? Because you said it. What did that do for you as a man, not just as a football player, but as a man? Yeah. And so speaking on that, yeah, a lot of that's the guys that made it through and got a degree from that. That's all we were, you know, thinking and being about was like setting our life up to be right. Like, because, I mean, like I said, I don't think that a lot of people realize that football does go away at some point. And it's a long life to live. Like, even if I play for 10 years, I'm trying to get 32. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to live a life. And I have to live a fearful, like, fulfilling life. So, with that, you know, my my um, my teammates and I have, have always stood like, go, you know, getting a degree, going and making it harder, being in a, in a, a different weather situation, like, and, and like I said, making all that shape because, you know, that's just what it is. Like that, that grind, that toughness 
is so rewarding in the end because, you know, me thinking about it, I'm going to so many different avenues. Like, you know, at first I was thinking maybe I want to do some sports broadcasting and things. And I was like, you know, maybe I can, you know, do have be an entrepreneur and, you know, have mm-hmm. different businesses in here. Maybe like a trucking business, have this business, this, blah, blah, and like put so many different places. Um, and then, you know, I just like seeing so many of my teammates do like guys that are in the NFLPA meetings that are like running it as like, mm-hmm. you know, former Notre Dame guys. And it's just like, it's so much as we can do because we've learned so much and like we've had to adapt to so much. We have to be in classes by ourselves sometimes, being the only mm-hmm. athlete in the class. So, well, that's something interesting because you talked about how Coach Light talked to you about, you know, just not just football, but like that's something he's done with his career. He's had like several businesses, you know, he owned restaurants, he's owned clubs, he's owned pizza places, he's done all these kind of things and been successful and turned it into, you know, even even more money. I mean, is that kind of one of the things that that former Notre Dame players talk to you about? It's like you're going to get the tools and the resources here to go be successful if football never works out for you, or even if football does work out for you, like, and you have a 10 plus year NFL career, like coach Light did, or like Jerome Bettis did, who's a hall of famer. That's now back as a student at Notre Dame, you know, getting yeah. that business degree. Yeah. And yeah, it is. And then the network is there to help you as well. Like um, when I was there, Reggie Brooks was like very huge in that and like connecting either former players, current players to the different avenues that, you know, life outside of football, you know, um, awards you, like, meeting so many different individuals, meeting true businesses, meeting dudes that, like I said, have millions of dollars, don't want a thing from you, just want to chat with you, talk with you, like, mm-hmm. that's like, like I said, that's, that's vital, and you can't mm-hmm. get that everywhere, like, you really can't, and it's tougher, yeah, you know, it's it's harder, but like I said, it's so rewarding and fulfilling afterwards because it's like, geez, I did that, I made it through, and then I know that I'm always set up. Like if I, I know that, you know, if if if, if, if something goes wrong in my plan, that I got a backup plan that's surefire. It should have, you know, as an A plan regardless. So, um, yeah, I think that like that's what Notre Dame can do for you know, individuals. And like I said, I'm blessed to have been able to have that opportunity. Got it. Got one from here from uh, Fashan Al Flip. He asked, "Thanks for the super chat, by the way, Fashan." He says, "Question for Troy: Do you believe a former player like yourself can come back to their alma mater and learn concepts on the collegiate level that can transfer to the pros?" Because the the theory okay. behind it is like nowadays, there's there's you're seeing the college game starting to influence the professional game more so than how it used to be, where the professional game would then influence the college game. I think it's kind of the the thought behind that. I think there's certain things. Now, a lot of the professional game tries not to take, like the traditional professional game tries not to take much from college because that seems to not work. As in, like, I ain't kind of Cliff Kingsbury, Cardinals, Arena. I mean, they're good. Like, not saying they're not good or anything, but, like, that's, like, a little bit different. Um, but uh, I think there's definitely things you can take. Like, if you – it's just a little harder with the hashes and different things, how college works and you know how they do think certain things. But I think that, yeah, that if you look at concepts regardless in like formations and things like that, I think that um, you would probably see a lot of passing formations that would be similar to NFL ones. So, yeah. 
Dustin Bochamp says, this is awesome. Troy, who is the biggest influence in your life to convince you to commit to Notre Dame? So who was, who was the person in your life that had the biggest role in saying, Hey, look, you know, put like not pushing you, but like helping to guide you to what your decision was, which was to pick Notre Dame. Oh, Archie Denson. And then me being there with him, he allowed me to grow like as a man, like, like we used to have a devotional, like a fellowship type of thing that like, you know, you could speak freely, you could say talk. It was like a safe space to kind of get things off your chest or talk through. And that's something that I said, I don't think a lot of places have. It was really like, like therapy almost, but like not really. You could just, you just talk freely with guys in there, you know, speaking about different things, talking about, you know, what's, what's ailing you right now. What's, what's your issue right here. And and he, like I said, was a great dude um, in getting me there. And then like, as I was there, helping me develop and making sure I was always good. So love him for Jay Golden 44. Here's a – I'm sorry, Troy. I thought you were done. I apologize. You're good. Here's one that I always find fun and interesting. Who is the best basketball player on your Notre Dame football team? I know the Lucky uh, Lefty podcast. So like Malik and them always have this question on the Lucky Lefty podcast. Who was the best basketball player? on your Notre Dame football team? Uh, are you talking about from the class? or like Just any there? during your time, at any point in time, who was the best basketball player? Because I, mean, uh, I don't want to give anybody too much credit. I mean, I wasn't the greatest. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, Chase dropped 40 points a game as a senior in high school. I mean, uh, like, and I, and I it's okay that. if it's like not said, you. <laughs> and and I, I, like I said, I've heard that. I've seen that. Uh, I think B. Wim was really good. Uh, L- Jalen Elliott. Was okay. I gave him buckets a couple times here and there. DJ I've heard was a people, good shooter. I've heard people say McGlinchy. I've had some people say McGlinchy. I didn't get to. See, oh, Q was good too. I didn't get to see okay. a chance. I didn't get a chance to see uh, Mike. Okay. But I've, like I said, I've seen Q. Um, I think B. Wimbush was probably the best one I've seen. He's just smooth. Sean Crawford was good too. Um, but now you got the Spud Webb thing going on. Yeah, Sean no, was like <laughs> like a um, Pat Bev type. Like a mm-hmm. shooter, so mm-hmm. you know, scrappy. You know, he's he's making everything happen. But um, mm-hmm. no, nah, like I said, I don't know. I, I can't answer that. I ain't, I ain't really hoop that much, right. and I ain't really want to. I can't see. So we got <laughs> we got two more questions, and I have a question for you before we end. Bronx MD fan asks you: Are you looking forward to remaining close to the program? attending games and talking to recruits. And I know attending games part can be difficult because you know you they have to have a home game when you have a bye and all those type of things. But so are you looking forward to remaining close to the program, attending games and talking to recruits? Yeah. Well, first I want to meet Coach Freeman so I can mm-hmm. get a chance to, you know, pick his brain, just talk to him about things. But uh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, um, a lot of our class is going to make a concerted effort to try to be back for the spring game, you know, to see those guys out there, hopefully be on the field, you know, chatting it up, talking, you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I like I, I, we love Notre Dame. Um, it was such a big part of our lives, and like only for years there was like, ah, you, know, you wish you had more, but at the same time, you know, it was our time to go. So, now I think, like I said, it's gonna be good to be back soon in March, but mm-hmm. then to come back in uh, mm-hmm. later and, and really see the you know, civil crews and say, hey, bro, we made it from here. You know, you can do mm-hmm. the same thing and do it better than mm-hmm. us. We did have one new question pop up from John A. One, my guy, John A. One, lifelong Panther fan. Troy, really hoping you have a great year coming up and hope your recovery is going well. Did you and Dante Jackson race yet? Hashtag pride, fastest man. 
Listen, this is this has always been a soft spot in the DB room because AJ Boye, who was with us last year, used to bring it up every time. Like I forgot, it was one day I was running at practice and I went like twenty two point like seven five miles per hour. AJ was like, "Hey, Dante, I ain't never seen you do that." Like <laughs> he's like stirring the pot, like trying to make him mm-hmm. mad, and at the same time, like like antagonize the situation. But now we didn't get a chance to race. Um, I probably would have this year, but I got hurt. So. Mm-hmm. So I well, he probably wants to race you now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but like I said, when I when I get back right there, I'm gonna be smooth. So I guess mm-hmm. I'm with all that. Yeah. So you, you yeah. So it, it yeah, it's interesting because yeah, he had a, he had what like a, like a four three two at the combine. I think yeah, you were like what four four flat. But I know you yeah, thought you were faster than that. Like, you thought you were going to run faster than that, if I remember correctly. Honestly, the combine was probably one of the worst times that I've, I had seen that entire process. Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. for me, so a quick little story about that. Like I said, I had been running well, been doing whatever. Notre Dame ran four too late. I was with it. You know, I was ready to go, blah, blah, blah. Didn't work out. Didn't run best time. You know, I'm not upset. But I was at the time. Like mm-hmm. Somebody told me it was four four five at first. They changed it four four five, but it was four four five. I literally like right after running four, I threw the forty cleats in the trash. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to ever be associated with these things ever again because, like, it was kind of like, geez, like I guess I feel like I, I let my hope myself down. And mm-hmm. it's like four four flat is is a great time. So you're you're like, pissed about having a four four flat. <laughs> you know I mean, think like, about that. Yes, like, like I'm talking about, <laughs> I was I was like so upset with myself because I'm like, bro, like I haven't run this at all. Like this, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm I was ready to you know show everybody what I was about. Which, like I said, was still a great time, and it's all good. Did you run again at the pro day, or was that? I can't I can't yeah, remember I if you did it. Oh. That's right. Because that was to, uh, that was COVID, right? That was when COVID yeah. hit. I was going. To, I was ready to do it too. Yeah. Because then that would have been a pissed off forty time from Troy Pride. That would have been fun to see. <laughs> yeah, I was. Like I said, I was going for it too. I, I promise. Yeah. Like there was no question. I had been. I had. I had looked at the race. I knew exactly what I needed to do. I was like, oh yeah, I'm. I'm ready. But then mm-hmm. they canceled it. So. Here's an interesting one, and I don't know if you can answer this because, like I said, people say, "Do you wish you could play for Marcus Freeman?" And, and as you mentioned earlier, you haven't had a chance to meet Coach Freeman yet. So it's like it's yeah. a when people understand that it's like you know, you've your rehab, you're you've got your professional thing. You guys got you guys can't just all drop everything and come back, you know, to meet to meet Coach obviously because you got hurt this year, so you weren't able to. Come. I want to just remind people you weren't able to necessarily come back like other people did because you had your surgery and all that other kind of stuff. So. And I know, Troy, you've mentioned me a couple of times that you are looking forward to getting a chance to meet Coach Freeman. But I just did want to kind of yeah. bring that up because that's a question we get a lot is, you know, would you want to play for Coach Freeman and that kind of thing? So we chat. Yeah, no, I, I think he's a great dude. You know, from what I've heard, he's an amazing individual. I still want to meet him. Um, you know, but we, like I said, we had a, our great moments under Coach Kelly as well. So um, mm-hmm. I just, like I said, when I get a chance to meet him, like I said, I'll give my stamp of approval, which mm-hmm. I'm sure will be. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. I'm looking forward to hearing that. So here's my question for you, Troy. We t- I gave you a little bit of a hint about this beforehand. And uh, my guy, Malik Zaire and Sean Davis, they do this in the Lucky Lefty podcast all the time when they have former players on. And, and I, I wanted to ask this too, because you, I have, I have contended, in my opinion, that there, are, there were three Notre Dame, two Notre Dame teams that if the 
if the circumstances would have been right, could have played for a championship, should have played for a championship. Exactly. 15 yeah. and 17, right? Oh, yeah. Those are the those to me are the two best Notre Dame teams, like talent wise. What team do you think is better, 2017 or 2018? And why? I, I, wait, between 17 and 18? 17 and 18, because you didn't play in 15. So I was like, I, you know, if you want to give an opinion on that one too, but you saw him play in person because you you went to the you went to you saw him play twice that year. You didn't you have an official mm-hmm. during the season in Notre Dame, and then you saw him also play at Clemson. Yep. So if you want to speak they to twenty fifteen as well, yeah. Um, so so think, what are your thoughts? So overall, like I I got to paint this holistic picture. Overall, when you're talking about you know first of all complete team, talk about t- um, offense, defense, and special teams kind of mirroring each other and being you know together. I think that all came together in 2018. I think mm-hmm. that team should have played for a national championship. True. Mm-hmm. I mean, we ran into a juggernaut in Clemson, but still, that team should have played for a national championship. 2015, you knew for a fact defense was like Kavari like, Russell saved the day against the USC game. Great game, great moment, you know, but you knew they kind of struggled sometimes, you know, on the defensive end. 17, uh, defense was good. Started to take a little bit of a lull towards the end, Miami, um, and then what, Stanford? Mm-hmm. So, you know. I have I have said that if y'all would have beat Miami, which you should have, yeah. y'all would have killed Clem- Stanford, crushed Stanford. Like, y'all would have been so ready for that game, you would have crushed. Because that was not a good Stanford team. It was five not games. Not at all. You guys were just – you guys just look beat. You guys just look mentally, like – not mentally beat, but just like you were worn. I mean, it was a, that was a brutal, brutal schedule you guys had to play that year. But that's the, and, what, and I, then, what I feel. Go ahead, Troy. I'm sorry. Um, and then it was, like I said, after you lost to Miami, it was kind of like that kind of like doubt, I think, creeped in a mm-hmm. little bit. Kind of like that, dang, are we legit? Well, we should have beat them. Like, I, like I said, there's, there's mm-hmm. no doubt. I'm, I, I think they had a great day. And the, that day they played amazing, but we were the better team, in my honest opinion. Mm-hmm. He's up and down the field, like, and it, and it actually showed me. They ended up losing a couple weeks like that to some team. Was it Pitt? Pitt? It was Penny. It was Kenny Pickett's, I think, first career start. That's how long Kenny Pickett's been in college. But yeah, it was Kenny Pickett's. They went and lost a pit the next week. Like, yeah, and they were like barely beating teams all year. Like that. That just was a, one of those weird games. Like, but like. I, I'll say this. I think the 2018 team was clearly more consistent, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you guys just kind of brought it every week. The stretch of 2017 from BC to Wake Forest was the best stretch of Notre Dame football I think we've seen in 15, 20 years. I mean, oh, yeah. you guys not only weren't winning. You you guys were blowing good teams. I mean, just destroying some good football teams. I mean, Michigan State went 10-3 and three and was top 15 that year. You guys curb stomped yeah. them. The, uh, USC was an eleven win team with Sam Darnold and 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 oh, yeah. Ronald yeah. Jones and you guys. Obl- I mean, I call it the no Moss game because by the end of that game, the D linemen for for USC were just turning their backs on Q. I mean, it was, was, it was embarrassing. I, I, I spoke to Sam about that too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, did. no, like like B win, and that's the thing. Like if we played them, it would be so interesting because, like I said, you mm-hmm. you got Brandon, they got EQ. Like ah, like that's that's a good team too. But mm-hmm. like I said, I, I, twenty eighteen was special. Mm-hmm. I feel like 
But no, that's like, like I said, that stretch you talked about. And, and then we let Wake Forest back in the game, which that was like, we should have killed them too. So mm-hmm. I have, I have said this and I'm going to ask you this because you saw one from afar and then one you were part of. If you could put the 2017 coaching staff on the 2015 team, Matt oh, Bayless yeah. included, I don't oh, think my. anybody in the country beats that team. Oh, my. When that was Jalen was also uh, on the defense, correct? Yeah, because if you think about that defense, right, it wasn't that good. But you had Jalen, you had Sheldon Day, you had Romeo Guara, Isaac Rochelle. Your corners were Kavari and Cole Luke. You had Max Redfield at safety. James Onwala, who played in the league for a minute, was one of the Rovers. Matthias Farley started for the Colts for a whole year. He couldn't even start on that 2015. He didn't even start on that 2015. That's crazy. Like, yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, Niles was on that team. Yeah, Niles was a sophomore on that team. Grimartini was – because they kept playing. I mean, Joe Schmidt, great kid, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, Jerron Jones. Oh, no, Jerry started on that team because Jerron got hurt. So, Jerry was starting at nose on that team. Goodness. I mean that that like just, that was just a loaded team. Yeah, but and they just like I said, they just needed if they had that seventeen coaching staff. Yeah, easy. Because mm-hmm. that offense yeah, was that, just that talent on offense that year was stupid. I mean, you had three first round picks on the offensive line. You had Deshaun at quarterback. Sean, you had yeah. CJ Procise and Josh Adams at running back. You had Will Fuller at receiver. You know, I mean. Elmer would have yeah, got drafted if he didn't quit football. I mean, all five of his starting yeah. offensive linemen, they would have been drafted Corey if Robinson Steve Elmer too. doesn't quit football. Corey Robinson was on that team, too. Alizé was, yeah. was a freshman on that team. He had a good year that year. But that – I mean, Dex couldn't even get on the field that year running back. Like, that's, that's – I mean, wild. I Dex had, like, 25 that. carries that year. I mean, that, that team was, was stupid. That was, jo- that was Josh's early on come out, too. Freshman. Right? Josh yeah. 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 He was – so, because he, he – it's funny because Tory and Folston got hurt in the opener. He had two carries and got hurt. And then Josh came in and, and rushed for two touchdowns that game, and then we didn't really see him again in any meaningful time until then. CJ got hurt against Pitt. Josh came yeah. off the bench, and Josh just went nuts the next five games. I mean, he he was just ridiculous the stuff he did. I would love, I would love for the fans to rank the 2021, 2018, 17, and 15 teams. Like that would be like, interesting. I, yeah, I want to see that because, like I said, 2021 yeah. went to the playoffs too. You know, you can say what you want. They beat Clemson too. Mm-hmm. Um, so no Trevor Lawrence, but yeah, they beat Clemson. They beat Clemson. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. they beat the school. Trevor didn't play. Yeah. They beat the school, but still, like I would love to to see those rank because yeah. that was Kyron's breakout. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just like I said, just started. Um, that team had a good old offensive line as well. Not as good as 17 and 15, but they had a good offensive line as well. Yeah. Well, that was uh, – yeah, that was – their receiving core wasn't the greatest, but, you know, they did what they had to do. Defense was was on it. That was, that was mm-hmm. what, Coach Lee's last year? Mm-hmm. Oh, my yep. goodness, yeah. And Jeremiah was uh, Jeremiah, ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous J-O-K. that year. Yeah, Insane. I, I, I think the thing, the two for 18 versus 17 is – the thing I loved about the 18 team, and you talked about this earlier, is it, it whenever that team needed a play, that D-line made a play. Like – Michigan starts coming back. Y'all should have never let Michigan back in that game. But when they did, Khalid comes up, makes big sack, right? I mean, Vanderbilt, although he makes a big play, Khalid makes a big play. Oh, yeah. That was a guy that I thought never got the love that I thought he should have was Khalid because his numbers weren't crazy good, but it seemed like every sack Khalid had was a big moment. End of the pit yeah. game, end of the Michigan game, Stanford game. Like it, whenever a big play needed to be made, either Julian 
or Dalen or or Khalil and Megan. And then in the playoff game, Julian gets hurt and Clemson's driving in the first quarter. They put Adi in or and he goes and makes a sack and knocks him out of field goal range. I mean, think about yeah. that. They had six six defensive linemen from that team are in the NFL right now. We got drafted. Like like, and there's still dudes that could four from our class. Right. And Myron's could get drafted. Jason Adamiola's still in college. I mean, it was because Jerry was in the first round, right? Khalid got drafted. Adi got drafted. Uh, Julian got drafted. And Dalen got drafted. And then Jameer Jones got signed. Even though he didn't get drafted, He he play, he's played in the NFL. Yeah. So he, he th- that was, was crazy. Yeah. Right, right. And then both co- uh, three of the four DBs got drafted, right? Drew got drafted. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think like, everybody that's just... – Think about this. Everybody that started on that team in 2018, every single defensive starter except for Tavon has played in the NFL, like actually played in a game because yeah. Osmar's played on special teams. Your whole secondary's played in the NFL, right? Because Jalen's played this year. Jalen got playing time mm-hmm. this year. All four of the D linemen have played uh, except uh, – no, the one exception – no, yeah, because Jer- – no, except John Bonner and, and Tavon. And John Bonner didn't they, start. They got opportunities, yeah. Yeah, but he was on a he was on a they were on rosters. But think about it, all yeah. eleven starters made an NFL roster at some point. Time. That's crazy. That, so the whole Notre Dame doesn't have enough talent thing to me just. Yeah, yeah. I, I've always thought that. Like, I mean, and that's that's an excuse. I feel like, and like I said, Coach Freeman said he's rectifying it. So <laughs> he's he's mm-hmm. going to get the talent, and they're going to produce. So that's great. Yeah. Let, here, here's last one, Troy. Um, I have a super chat from from uh, Sean S. Thank you, Sean. He says, Troy, based on your experience, how good was Kevin Severson? Obviously, I don't think Sean saw you talked about this earlier, but if you could just kind of because I mean everybody I've talked to said, boy, if that kid would have been able to kind of keep it together, I mean Yeah, the sky the sky was I think he could have left his junior year and been a day day two pick easily. Hmm. Like like I said, you talk about fluidity of routes first. So, you know, he's got that burst of quickness. So he can, you know, come off the wall and move. Then you talk about he's just running, right? Like, and, and as a as a corner, you're waiting for, like, an indication. You're waiting mm-hmm. for, like, you know, no, it's just, it's a break. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? Like, 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 did you just break? Like, for real. His like, suddenness was absurd. Like, it was when, absurd. Catching ability. Like, I think, so the Navy game, he, he broke out when, you know, he had um, his two touchdowns, something like that, doing that with, no gloves, just rocking in the rain. Mm-hmm. I mean, the receivers always do that, but it was a muggy, ugly, disgusting mm-hmm. day. Cold, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, he, USC he wasn't ready for him. That's something that people no. don't th- talk about. USC was not ready because he was out. Remember, he was sus- well, suspended, right? Yeah. Um, whatever it was, the first four games. And he played like a little bit against Carolina, not a whole lot. USC was not ready for how they were how they used him in that game. I mean, they were hitting him with reverses and go routes and tunnel screen. USC was not ready for him. And then it's like, okay, yeah. now what do we do? We got to defend Josh Adams. We got to defend EQ. Now we got to defend this guy running reverses. And oh, by the way, Wimbush is going to take off running on us. Like right. when that offense was KJ, clicking, you couldn't stop it. But that's some. And then, like I said, KJ had been on that 18 team too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, could you imagine him in the slot with Miles and Chase outside? <laughs> oh, I can only dream and, about and, that. and you're running draws to decks. <laughs> like you cannot like yo. I'm saying like that dude, he was special for real. And I and I saw mm-hmm. you saw it so early. 
and like like I said, you just wanted to compete with him and try your best to win. But like he was good, he was real good. Like I'll even embarrass myself a little bit. There's one picture I don't know if he posted it or where he posted, but like it's him like going up for like a one-handed catch, right? <laughs> so it was like a one-on-one rep, and there was nobody around him. I was guarding him. I thought he was breaking on a dig because that's like what his indication was. And he like broke on the dig, but like at the same time was breaking on the out. And I'd already mm-hmm. broken on the dig, so I just started running. And and like, like I said, I saw the ball thrown, and then I saw him go up and catch it. And I was like, at least mm-hmm. I wasn't in the front. End. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you you didn't get dunked on, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, he had that weird where he could make it seem like his body made it seem like he was going this way. But the, his top ends were ridiculous. Like body control, it's like you, top end speed, yeah. catching, um, like I said, route running, um, just a ball player. For yeah. real, just that a ball eighteen player, receiving just, core, if he would have come back, would have been ridiculous. Because then you'd have had Faint coming off the bench. You know, he was a oh nice my. player. You know, I mean, like that would have been. You, like I said, then you open up two by two, right. have you know option right. choice for him too, and then like I said, he's not. He doesn't have to get scouted. He's not going to get scouted for. And I um, thought Chase and Miles wore out a little bit late in the year because they had to play so many reps, right? Yeah. And if you had KG, you had a deeper rotation, you could have put him outside and put Chase backside to give Miles a breather, and then you could give Chase a breather. So, I mean, it's just all that stuff matters, man. It, it's all of it matters. Yeah. It's, it's and, like, and, you know. And I believe Kevin Kevin was on that team too, but, you know, at the time, freshman didn't get a chance to play, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so, you truck, you truck. You're trying, <laughs> Troy. You're trying to get me going. I've been so good. I haven't gone off on the dude, you know, it's whose name I don't even use jazz. in stories anymore. It's just a former coach. That's all I say now, man. It's just a former coach. I don't even. I don't even I don't just even. a couple jabs here and there. First one, he gets his play. So, Braden was chilling on the sideline. Yeah. Kevin was chilling. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, that's my favorite one. I said this the other day. I, 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 you, you, you started it. It's your fault. I'm blaming you. But it was the funniest, the funny, and I and I mean that in a in a funny as in like I'm actually really pissed about it, but I have to laugh or I'm gonna lose my mind. But after y'all lost to Clemson in the whole, well, we just don't have enough playmakers. I wanted to be like, what a coach on the coaching staff? I'm yeah. like, we don't have enough speed. You got a bunch of four four dudes standing on the sidelines hanging out behind you. Like you have two six four guys that ran four four twos, you know, and you got decks. Like, don't, don't, don't talk to me. You know, the playmakers, exactly. right? Like, the playmakers are the dudes on. Yeah, yeah. I saw that tweet that you had. That like, you had. We had six four, uh, Chase, six three miles, six two Kevin, that all ran four four twos. That you know, Kevin was jumped. the slow guy at four four three. Yeah, uh, and by the way, there's this kid named Braden Lindsay who can run a little bit too on that team. And a kid named Lawrence Keys that could run a little bit on that team as well. I mean, you know. Yeah. And Chris Fink ran like a a 4-5. I mean, Chris Fink wasn't exactly slow. He ran faster than two of Clemson starting. You know know Chris Fink ran a faster 40 time at the Combine than Hunter Renfro and T. Higgins? And he was like your sixth fastest receiver at Notre Dame in 2018. So, yeah, lack of playmakers on the outside. I think guys can make excuses. Um, they just don't, like I said, want to live up to the reality. But wanna like I said, teams should play for national championships. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, See, so you, you know, I, I almost – an hour and 47 minutes, I almost did it, Troy. I almost made it through the show. You tried to poke me a couple times. I, I, 
I bobbed and weaved. I got out of the way of them, and you just you had to you had to get that last one, man. You just you had, I had to. the big one. You had That's to. <laughs> Well, Troy, thank you so much, man, for joining us. This was a ton of fun. We'll hope to get you back again. Uh, good luck on your rehab. I know a lot of Notre Dame fans are excited to see what you and and it was really talented young corners. I mean, you and obviously J.C. Horn drafted last year. You guys have a chance to have a really, really good secondary this year, and I hope that you're going to be able to get healthy enough to be a part of that, buddy. And um, Notre Dame fans, March 24th, right? March 24th, follow Troy Pride. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna tweet plenty about this between now and next Thursday, one to three o'clock. Um, at the uh, what's the name of the end again? I just had it. The Linden Grill. Linden Linden Grill on Michigan South yes, Michigan Street, right? From one to three yes, o'clock, it's gonna be Troy. I mean, the whole secondary is coming back from that deal. Tony Jones Jr. is gonna be there. That 2016 class is gonna be well represented there. Uh, gonna be auctions, autographs, and just a chance to meet some. I think this is the thing that people don't understand about misconception. There's a lot of I got to know a lot of the kids in your class, even just a little bit. And there's a lot of good kids in that group, not just great football players, but a lot of good kids in that group. Love Jalen. I mean, he's from Virginia. So clearly that's where the real ballers are from. You know, so obviously that's a given there. Dante's a great kid. Julian's a great kid. Troy's all right. He's got his moments. Alohi's a great kid. A lot of Tony Jones. I mean, just great kid. A lot of good kids, not just football players, but really good kids that are going to be sitting now that are now grown men, you know, that are successful grown men. And so um, just a great opportunity. So definitely Notre Dame fans, make sure you you mark that on your calendar, especially you locals. Uh, when Follow Troy. Give him one more time. Troy, give him your, your – it's at Troy Pride 18, right? Yes, sir. Yes, give sir. it to him. So when and Troy pre- tweets about that, retweet it. Let other Notre Dame fans know about it. Be a great opportunity to meet some some great Notre Dame players that were like as you said a very important part this this five year run that Notre Dame fans have enjoyed that we haven't seen since Lou Holtz was the coach ten wins every year that group was a big 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 part of that so you definitely want to give them the love and respect for for being part of that which has now led Notre Dame fans to this part where now you're battling for a number one recruiting class and all that kind of stuff so and Troy it. thank Let's you so it. much for joining us man it was it was a ton of fun hope to have you getting back on here again someday. Brian, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. It was amazing. So, Yep. Hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share the podcast. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five-star review. Talk to hey maybe maybe we might have to talk to you about maybe getting your own podcast one of these days man we we'll have to let we'll the have a little chat about that when we when we get off this here a little bit but uh, thank you all so much have a great day we'll be back tomorrow obviously Wednesday we'll have another preview for Notre Dame as they get ready to kick off spring on Wednesday tomorrow night we will be talking about why so the enemy of Troy Pride we'll be talking we're going over some receiver film tomorrow night at eight o'clock of the 2023 receivers on the board for Notre Dame there's some dudes on that list. You are definitely going to check that out. And, of course, we'll continue. We'll have our post-practice reaction on Thursday. And then, of course, Friday is our Friday mailbag. So, Troy Pride, thank you again so much. And everybody out there, thank you so much for being a part of the Notre, the Irish Breakdown podcast.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.